Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. After more than 18 months and one cancellation, the return of tennis to Indian Wells is less than a week away. But there are still four tournaments spread across the globe this week before our coverage begins in the desert. Top Americans Taylor Fritz and Seb Korda were in action in San Diego with quarterfinal spots on the line. And we preview the night session featuring Sir Andy Murray against the fast-rising Casper Rude. And in Chi-Town, Americans Shelby Rogers and Danielle Collins look to bring the heat in the Windy City. Plus, we'll have some news on the upcoming tennis calendar, including the 2022 Australian Open. It's time to get fired up. TC Live starts right now. Welcome to a Thursday night edition of TC Live as we get you set for a good-looking night session in San Diego. On tonight's show, the quarterfinals, they're set in Chicago. We'll tell you what happened there today. Australian Open, we're looking ahead. We'll tell you what some of the issues might be for that Grand Slam and a really exciting doubleheader of action coming at you in just a little while. Hey, everybody, welcome inside our Santa Monica studios. Rob Simulka here with a couple of former top tenors. Jimmy Arias to my right, to my left. Chanda Rubin to my right. And, you know, this speaking of top ten, we got a couple of top ten players. Andy Murray, of course, has been number one in the world at one point in his career. Casper Ruud just inched into the top ten for the first time in his career. This doubleheader tonight, this is Grand Slam worthy. Yeah, this should be a fantastic night of tennis with you know, the first time meeting between Murray and Rude, but Rude broke into the top ten for the first time earlier this month, and he has been playing fantastic tennis all year. He's started to make the transition to the different surfaces, playing better tennis on the hard courts, and we kind of wonder where Andy Murray will be. He's looked good um, the last three or four weeks. He looks like he's moving pretty well and just settling into his game. Uh, so this should be a really blockbuster first match for sure. There are so many questions about Andy Murray to me because he hasn't gotten a lot of matches. That's been the problem for him. He's not ranked high any longer. He gets difficult draws. The U.S. Open, he got Sissipas first round. So these are the kind of tournaments where he has to get some points, get the ranking back up. He's playing pretty well. Rude is a difficult customer, and he's going to really test the hip. We're going to see how the hip holds up because Rude has the heaviest or one of the heaviest forehands on tour. Rude made his name on clay this past summer, but he's on the hard courts performing pretty well. So we'll see how that matchup plays out. But meanwhile, let's take a look at what's already happened in San Diego. We start with Taylor Fritz and Denis Shapovalov. And this is a first set, Jimmy, that Fritz is going to want back. Well, he 4-1 up in this set and had love 40. And Shapovalov able to save those three, for all intents and purposes, set points, really, because it would have been double break. And then we get to the tie break. And it's triple set point again, and Taylor Fritz, how did he miss that ball against a guy that actually doesn't like to volley all that much? Gets him to another set point, serving volley from Shapovalov again. I don't really trust his volley, but he can handle those easy ones. Saved six set points in this first set. And finally, on Shapovalov's first opportunity, 
He hooks that lefty forehand perfectly down the line. Almost the same shot that Fritz missed with his backhand on set point. And we go to the second set, and it often happens to someone who's had six set points. You don't play quite so well in the second set. There's a little discouragement going on for Taylor Fritz, who hasn't played that well this summer. And I, either a Shapovalov since Wimbledon, actually. So this is a big match for both of these guys, and Shapovalov's the one who sort of stole one. All right, the San Diego native Fritz out in San Diego. Meanwhile, a couple of Brits taking each other on here as Cam Noring and Dan Evans go at it. Yeah, this is always an interesting match between two players who both like to be aggressive, but it was Nori getting the upper hand early in the tiebreak, and he would take that momentum to close it out. He was a little more solid, finding the angles. That shot tipped the net, and it lost some speed, gave Nori a complete open court. He was able to drive through it. And the second set, Nori was able to get the first early break of serve there and just kind of made short work of it. Made it look fairly routine in the second set, but he was just too solid. He's gotten fitter Nori and played a really solid match. Cam Nori's starting to sneak up on Dan Evans for the top-ranked British player as he comes up with the win. Here's a look at the draw in San Diego. You see Rublev will play Schwartzman. Schwartzman came through last night. Chapovalov earns a matchup against Cam Nori. And Karatsev with the win over Hercotch. Nice draw. All tournament long, we've been talking about for a 250, the names that are here. Here are the players that are moving on. Shapovalov, Nori, lefty against lefty. We'll see. Nori's the kind of guy that makes you play. Shapovalov, I still don't think, is all that confident right now. Karatsev, sort of the name that burst onto the scene out of nowhere. He beats Hercotch. Hercotch either wins tournaments or loses early. He chose to lose early here. Murray and Rude at the bottom. I'm looking forward, obviously, to that match tonight. All right, Seb Corder, you saw him in that draw. He is currently trailing in his match down a set. So we'll keep an eye on Seb Corda in that one. But, uh, you know, we've talked about what a high-quality draw this is for an event of this caliber, a 250. The week before Indian Wells, a lot of top players there. Yes, you had a number of players that also came from Labor Cup, so they were looking for matches, wanting to stay here in the States. And then with Indian Wells on the horizon, players, you know, wanting to get those last matches in, make sure of where their form is. And, you know, also getting towards the end of the year, some of these points up for grab, a 250 isn't the most, but still, every bit counts this time of year. So there are multiple reasons for players to be looking for these matches. All right. Well, they're playing for 500 points in Chicago, the ladies are. And let's check in on what's going on there. We start with Shelby Rogers taking on a first-time tour-level tournament player in my Hontama. Yeah, Hontama came through qualifying and has just kept the run going. She was aggressive, better court positioning there. She hits the ball a little bit flatter, can flatten it out when she needs to. She actually also served well throughout this match. But in the second set, Rogers, who's had a terrific season as well with some big wins she came back and finds the passing shot there that was huge because it was a battle topsy-turvy game throughout that second set Rogers would win it in a tie break but in the third kind of lost a bit of steam and Hontama just picked up where she left off she didn't get discouraged and consider how little experience she has had at this level she played like a real veteran coming up with some big serves, solid service games, and that helped her take that third set pretty routinely. So a real breakthrough for Hantama, the qualifier from Japan, advances in her first ever tour-level tournament to the quarterfinals. Elise Mertens taking on Collins. Number seven seed against number 10 seed. They played once before. Mertens had won in straight sets. 
But in the first set, Collins got down an early break, broke back immediately with the help of seven double faults in the first set for Mertens. Mertens, after losing that set, decides, you know what, the problem is my leg. So she goes and has a medical timeout, gets it strapped, comes back and continues to fight. But Collins continued with the momentum, eventually breaking serve here at Love to get through a straight set win and a pretty impressive win. Collins has been playing well for a few months now. A couple of tournament titles and she's she's starting to get back that form that showed her make the semifinals of the Australian Open a few years ago. Collins looking for her second tour title of the year and there you see the quarterfinals in Chicago. Alina Svitolina, she won in Chicago in August so she's still in there as the number one seed and Muguruza, she advances on a walkover today. Victoria Azarenka pulled out before that match, so Muguruza will take on Hantama. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, these are blockbuster quarterfinals matches. This was a tough event as well. We talked about players wanting to get matches. Bencic, Rybakina, that's a rematch of an Olympic semifinal, I believe they played during that round. Svitolina Jabur should be interesting. We'll see where Muguruza is not having played, and she is the real favorite against Hantama, who you know a lot of no, players no, no. would not have heard of. Han- <laughs> so. Hantama's the new Raducanu. <laughs> first tournament in, she's winning the title. I mean, it's just... I, I would not the, put it past her. Well, what's Jimmy. funny is she, when I watched those highlights, she was taking the ball early, had Shelby Rogers back. Yeah. Chicago tournament, one thing about it, the race to Guadalajara for the finals, there's a lot of players that are right in that level, and Jabir having the win against Pagula, that was a big match. Yes. All right, well, some drama to come there in Chicago, but when we come back here on TC Live, we'll look at some other news from the world of tennis, including how the Australian Open could be a little bit different this year. Plus, Emirata Kanu, she'll be at Indian Wells next week, but she's also placed herself on another prestigious list. We'll explain when we come back. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Next week, one of the biggest events on the tennis calendar returns with a special fall edition. For the first time, Tennis Channel has exclusive daily coverage of the BNP Paribas Open from first ball through the singles finals. Don't miss any of the ATP and WTA action from Indian Wells, California, beginning Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Eastern Time. So many good storylines heading into Indian Wells. Let's check in now with some news and notes from around the world of tennis. Emma Raducanu may have had to qualify for the U.S. Open, but she was granted a wild card into the BMP Paribas Open at Indian Wells. The rare time a recent winner of major events needs an exemption. Note, though, that the draw cutoff was made before Raducanu took New York by storm. She's now up to number 22 in the world with virtually no points to defend before July. And get this, the roughly 2.75 million she's made in career earnings already puts her in the top 200 on the WTA's career prize money list. The China swing has been all but wiped out by COVID and restrictions on indoor events. 
part of this, we are told, is precaution before the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, which begin in early February. Here's another casualty, though, that has gotten less attention. The Basel Open, an autumn mainstay on the ATP calendar since 1970, will not be held again this year. Note that this cancellation, quiet as it was, came in June and had nothing to do with hometown hero Roger Federer not being able to play this year. A story to watch. Melbourne, Australia has had a longer lockdown period than any city in the world. And as it now stands, there are more than 40,000 Australians scattered across the globe, unable to return home. With that as a background, it is increasingly unlikely, we are told, that unvaccinated players will be permitted into the country for the 2022 Australian Open. All right. Thanks to our friend John Wertheim for that great set of news and notes, voiced, by the way, by our colleague Ari Wolf. Thank you, Ari. And, you know, interesting, Jimmy, the Australian Open, of course, was postponed. It was played late last year into February. Australia has been battling, as we all have, this COVID crisis. And so it's going to be interesting if the players are required to be vaccinated. We don't know what percentage of players are vaccinated. So could be interesting who ends up potentially pulling out of the could Australian be. Open. It's going to be very interesting. And it's, we, we're going to see what happens. I mean, look, Australia is trying to have no COVID cases. That's sort of their goal. And so they've tried to keep pretty much everybody out, even Australians. To have the tournament itself, to me, is... Not surprising because they already did it, but they're going to definitely take as many precautions as possible, and it will be difficult for the players to deal with. And it was so difficult. Some of the, the extended quarantines the players had to deal with there last year. Yeah, it was tough, and especially for those players that ended up being in the hard quarantine unexpectedly because they were on planes with positive uh, cases. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see when they announce these requirements, because that's also going to be the key, is how much time will players have if they aren't vaccinated, if that becomes a requirement to give them enough time either to do the two-shot, depending on where they live, or potentially the one-shot uh, vaccine. But that will be a big issue, but it's something that has to kind of be decided pretty soon. And do you think they'll need the two shots, or will they be okay with know, one shot? Way. I mean, there's so much yeah. doubt going into that tournament. A lot of doubt. And uh, another piece mentioned there was the, the Asian swing. And that, that's been such an important part of the tennis calendar, Chanda, since really Lee Na kind of put yeah. that on the map. I mean, she was such a huge star in tennis, turned it into a huge sport in Asia. A lot of money on the line there for players and for the women's tour. Yeah, I mean, that's the primary, I mean, the primary source of income for the WTA. They make a lot of that, you know, during the, the swing through Asia, China events, um, the season-ending championships. That has, you know, been in, in Asia as well. So there had to be, you know, a quick change this year. So there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, especially from that standpoint for the tour, because, you know, it's huge. You know, that is how they've been able to promote and, you know, allow players to not have to come up with the cost of, of running the tour, which at one point we had to do. We had, to play, we had to pay a percentage of prize money. So that's a huge part of this, this whole scenario. That's right. The, the WTA final, which was supposed to be in China, in Shenzhen, has been moved. It's going to be in Guadalajara, Mexico, a new destination for tennis. It's funny because we can have Olympics in Asia, and obviously they're talking about the Winter Olympics as well, but tennis is not going to be happening. It hasn't happened for a couple of years now. Hopefully we can get it back to normal soon. 
They're talking about some pretty severe restrictions for the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. And lastly, Emma Raducanu. This is an incredible story. I mean, what she has done in this incredibly short amount of time, already in the top 200 earnings of all time. I mean, she, she's won this one Grand Slam, obviously also went to the round of 16 at Wimbledon, we shouldn't forget. But, I mean, she's put herself on the map in a huge way. She's played four tournaments. That just feels <laughs> wrong in some ways. That, And I'm now dating myself terribly, but I played 13 years on the tour, and she's ahead of me in career earnings. Just just to give you a little the feel. The money wasn't I, the same then, Jimmy. Well, obviously. when I, I won the French <laughs> Open mixed doubles in 1981. I made... $2,000, just to give you a little feel. This is classic. That's why this I'm classic. That's, that's why I'm get. working right now. <laughs> and we're glad you are, Jimmy. You. We're glad you, you are. But, I mean, what, what Emma has accomplished in a short amount of time, it's, uh, it's hard to imagine her mindset in terms yeah. of a life changing overnight this way. I mean, she just looks like she's happy and having fun and just embracing every moment of her tennis and you know that's rare I mean certainly she's young and so you expect a little more of that but still to not you know be aware and get nervous in these big moments that has been incredible and you know last year she didn't even really play because of COVID her uh, family had her stay you know in Great Britain she played a number of events there against other British players but she elected to finish school and kind of take it easy and some of that just seems to be carrying over that real you know sense of balance in her in her life. What's interesting to me is the most enjoyable time on the tour is on the way up. That's when you're sort of not feeling any pressure. But she went, yeah. She got there in a few tournaments. So now for her, all of a sudden, that ride was the shortest ride ever. <laughs> and she's now going to have expectations and all kinds of things she's going to have to learn to deal with. We'll see how she handles that. Normally, you have a little longer time to get used to that rise. Maybe yep. that's better, though. Maybe it's we'll better that out. she didn't sort of go through all the tough times trying to get up and, you know, inch by inch. I mean, she has just rocketed up, and it'll be interesting to see how she deals with it. I mean, it's a huge amount of attention and notoriety and before she's even gotten into her first tournament on her own ranking. Well, we'll start to see how she deals with that at Indian Wells next week. Yep. Still not there on her own ranking, by the way. She got in on a wild card, but she'll have the expectations coming at her. Okay, we'll take a break. When we come back on TC Live, we'll get you set for this blockbuster night session in San Diego. Andy Murray, Kasparud, followed by Dimitrov and OJ Aliassim. Coming up. The men are playing in Sofia, Bulgaria, and American Marcos Giron taking on Alex Dimonor for the second straight tournament in the round of 16. Played him in France not long ago, and for the second straight week, he takes Dimonor out. Giron is having a career year. He's making a name for himself, and he's doing it at the expense of Dimonor. And he took that first set in a tie break, second set, the same exact situation, gets to a tie break, and Giron is playing the big points really well. He is very solid. He overcame some injuries after getting out of college. It's taken him a little while to break into the tour, and he is finally breaking in. 
and continuing to play well. He's just got to take it down to that next level, make a final, make win a title, that kind of stuff. But he's getting close. All right, well, Garone has to feel good about the choice he made going over to Europe as he's through to the quarterfinals. He'll take on John Millman there. So a good draw for Garone, a chance to advance to a semifinal. You know you're going to be on the court for a long time when you play John Millman, but Garone's able to handle that. And Monfils starting to play well again after he had played so poorly post-COVID until just recently. Look at Sinner and Duckworth. Duckworth's all of a sudden become a player. Good-looking matchups there. All right, well, we've got uh, the social net coming up action and some sad news as we start our social net segment. Andre Agassi announced yesterday that his father passed away. Mike Agassi dying at the age of 90. And, you know, if you know the story of Andre Agassi, you know what a huge role his dad played in his development as a tennis player. You do, and I'll tell you, he's complained at some points about the treatment that his dad gave him as a youngster, forcing him to play, making him play tennis. I have a similar feeling. My dad did similar to me, but I'm so thankful my dad did that for me, and I think Andre is as well, and obviously a sad, sad day for everyone that one of the great parents in tennis, Mike Agassi, passes away. It's such a common story in tennis, the, the, the father or the mother that plays a huge role, Shandon. If you read this, Agassi's autobiography, Open, one of the best sports biographies I've read, really talks about the role of Mike Agassi. Yeah, I remember meeting him in Las Vegas when I was training a bit. I was still playing, and I was hitting some with Steffi, and Andre was around, and it was surreal just being around that much greatness, but I remember Mr. Agassi and just how dynamic and energetic a personality he was. And you could definitely see how he pushed Andre and, and the effect, the influence that he had. And you know, our condolences certainly go out to Andre Agassi and, and his entire family. All right, up next on the social net, Madison Keys speaking out on social media about some of the abuse that, that players take on social media. And she goes through it in three separate tweets here, talking about, hey, you know, you're not going to win every match. Sometimes you get injured, things happen. And if you've seen my Instagram lately, you know how frustrated I am that social media platforms aren't doing more to keep awful, abusive messages out of our DMs. Uh, they're getting death threats and all kinds of negative feedback on social media so you know it says in a third tweet here this is this is happening to other athletes as well my friends younger kids and so she's going to keep speaking out about this until social media is a safe place for everyone and you know chanda other players have spoken about this i remember shelby rogers at the u.s open spoke at length about this this is a, a an issue that hard to know what to do but something needs to be done yeah i, I just commend madison keys and other athletes you know who have spoken out and she has created a real platform keys has you know to bring attention to this this is a serious issue it we talk so much about mental health now this contributes to the struggles that players and and everyone has when they get this type of abusive you know behavior and language on these platforms they should be for you know positive for positive good, uh, for positive force, and, you know, for enjoyment. And unfortunately, you have some people that just take it to the extreme. And I hope that Madison Keys can continue to shine a light on this, and hopefully we can continue to take action against it. I mean, there are things that can be done. It's a dark, dangerous place. One of the reasons I don't go anywhere near social media, if I can help it. And people are very brave with what they write when they're anonymous, and that's part of the issue that's 
that goes on for these players. And don't forget, there's probably a little bit of a gambling side to this yeah. as well as someone that's lost a few hundred bucks on you thinks you didn't yeah. try your best is going to be a little angry and they're going to want you to hear about it. All right. Well, on a much happier note, a happy birthday to Martina Hingis. She turns 41 years old today. It's it's amazing that Martina Hingis has been out of the game as long as she has been. She's only 41 years old, Janet. She started very young, started winning very young, and I remember playing against her some incredible matches. We used to practice together all the time. She always had a smile on her face, was up to hit with, play with anyone. That was just her approach. It was one of the things that made her you know, such a great player. And happy birthday, Martina. She's got a family, a, a little girl, so hopefully she is having a great day. Shockingly, I've played with her as well. I practiced with her a couple times as well, and I've played her in doubles. She was still a great doubles player just a couple of years ago. Well, Chanda speaks about playing Martina Hingis, and Chanda, we, we're aware of some of your history with Martina Hingis. In fact, we took a little look back, and we've got Indian Wells coming up this week. Chanda Rubin, 1999 <laughs> at Indian Wells, taking on Martina Hingis. Here it is. And Martina Hingis, she was a big winner, but not that day. Oh, my goodness. It was actually one of the best <laughs> matches I played in my career, and, you know, certainly it helped having practice with her, but what a, a big moment for me. My coach Benny Sims looking Benny. stoic as usual. Uh, but, yeah, this was a great moment. Wait but I didn't expect you guys to do this. I'm but mad. that's the whole idea. I'm mad about that. Yeah, no, you sent, you sent that tape. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you should have been more excited. That was sort of such a, you know. I yeah, was excited, Jimmy. That was excited? Yeah, you didn't see my smile? There was a, yeah, for a flicker. But there was no, I was, come on! I was super excited. You got to act like. Really? That was, that's you got to act like you've been there before, right? Oh, yeah. You got to act like you've been there before. You got to act like you're, you know, no, you're in headlights. That's true. <laughs> it's a quarterfinal. Can't throw your racket up in the air, right? You got to act like you know what you're doing. All right. Well, congrats on that win a couple of years later. All right. When we come back, we will get you set for the night session in San Diego. Some breaking news about that we'll tell you about in a second. Meanwhile, a great match will be the first one up as Andy Murray and Casper Rude go at it. We'll preview it when we come back on TC Live. Back here on Tennis Channel Live as we get you set for the night session in San Diego. But first, here's a look at tomorrow's lineup in Chicago. Quarterfinal action from Chicago. Danielle Collins will take on Marquette of Andrusova. Garbine Muguruza taking on the breakthrough qualifier, Mai Hontama. And then Spitalina and Bencic will round things out. Hot shot of the day comes from overseas, and it was Marcos Giron taking on Alex Dimonor. And Dimonor is a shot maker, great defender. Never gives up on a shot on a point, and here he is giving lob overhead practice to Giron. That last drop volley not quite good enough, and he pays the price again. Dimonor will run down anything and go to any length to stay in a point. But what does it take to win a point against this guy? If you're you got to be one. Okay, it's over here, right? No, no, not yet. That's the one. I mean, he should have put away about four balls in that sequence that he didn't, but give credit to that man. All right, well, we've got a little breaking news coming at you here from San Diego as we had hoped to have a matchup between FAA and uh, he's pulled out. He has pulled out of his match 
calls, uh, he said it has an abductor strain, apparently. And so Felix Auger Aliassime has pulled out of his match against Gregor Dimitrov. And so August Holmgren from Denmark, a lucky loser, the luckiest of losers, as he's coming into the second round here, he will take on Dimitrov instead. And, uh, you know, I'm sure August Holmgren is, is not, not quite know what to do with himself right now as he suddenly finds yeah. himself with a shot at the quarterfinal. Well, on Thursday, I mean, you're thinking qualifying has been over for a few days now. It's probably unlikely that you're going to get into the tournament. But uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime had a bye, so there's still a chance. So you do have guys sticking around I mean, for just this opportunity. Look, I haven't looked at the quality draw, but I'm pretty sure they just pulled some guy out of the stands because there's no <laughs> qualifiers hanging around till some, Thursday. Some I mean, may, though, Jimmy. They it's, just let, okay. Let me I mean, look. I have the draw I mean, here. Obviously, he's there let's somewhere. See. August Holmgren, but he is. He he lost it, in the last round of qualifying. Okay, and he's um, still in town. And he's he is still now in town, playing. which is amazing that he stayed in town. <laughs> All right. Well, meanwhile, the match we're about to watch: Andy Murray taking on Casper Ruud, and this is one that is going to be very interesting. Casper Ruud has had one of the best years on tour. Interesting fact: he won three straight tournaments this summer, all of them on clay. When he did that, he was the first player in ten years. To to win three straight events. You know who the last one was? Andy Murray. It it had been Andy Murray in 2011, won three straight. So Casper Ruud, he's a clay court guy, but he's showing that he can play on the hard courts. He was a clay court guy, and he has suddenly started. When you win matches, you can start winning matches on anything, and he's starting to win matches on hard court as well. He's played very well recently, quarterfinals in Canada, quarterfinals in Cincinnati. This is a great test for Murray. I think Murray's thinking he's still going to be back in the top ten someday. And he's working his way towards that. This will be a test to see how much more work he needs. Yeah, I think this is the kind of match Andy Murray would welcome because he's going to get opportunities to get into these points. But it's going to be a real test to see where his level is, to see you know, if he's on the right track in terms of what his expectations are. And if he can come away with the win, even better. I mean, but as you said, Jimmy, a little earlier, uh, Murray, he's been you know, moving well, but this will be a whole nother test in terms of how he's covering the court and recovering uh, in between points. I actually feel like he needs to change his game a little bit. He's been such a defensive player, Murray. His hip isn't going to hold out if he stays defensive. He's going to have to start trying to dictate. This will be a match we'll see if he can dictate against Rude. All right, should be a good one. We will send you to break and then to San Diego. Jimmy will be on the call. Can't wait to see it. Beautiful day like every day in San Diego. Murray, Rude coming up from San Diego. Thanks for joining us on TC Live. 